On today's episode, we'll be discussing what I call the calm before the storm of Revelation chapter 15 here on the Last Things Podcast. What's up, fam? This your boy Damien coming to you once again with another episode of the Last Things Podcast, where we are on a journey to truth. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to come before you once again as we discuss the Word of God. How's everybody doing on um this morning, this e this afternoon, this evening, whenever you see this video, whenever you see the video, or when you uh whenever you stream it, how's everybody doing on today thank you thank you guys so much man thank y'all so much for tuning in on this week man we got ourselves as usual a good episode on today i think this one's gonna be kind of a short one on today i think it's gonna be we're gonna see but man thank y'all for tuning in thank you guys for your for your support as i always say this podcast would be nothing if it's not for you guys. So thank you guys so much. If you guys are on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. And hey, do me a favor, share the video, man, share the video. We trying to get as, um, we trying to get our listeners up so we can get the word out so we can continue to spread the gospel. So do me a favor, man, hit like and click subscribe. And if you're looking on YouTube, hit like and subscribe and click that little bell so you won't miss any future content. If you got in, as I tell you all the time, if you're not, if you want, you can catch us on Anchor. Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We stream on all four of those platforms. So if you're at work and you can't listen by, you can't watch the YouTube video, you can catch us on any one of those, um, excuse me, any one of those four platforms, Apple, Spotify, uh, Anchor, or Google or google okay so those are the ways you can contact us and if you have any questions concerning anything that we go over go on facebook and type in the last things podcast a journey to truth and you'll see i always use the wrong arm you'll see this main blue logo behind me you'll see it and uh you'll see the facebook page with this logo on it and you can leave a comment on there or a question that you have you can leave it on there and i will do my best to get back to you as soon as possible and i will do my bet very best to try to answer your question okay but having said that guys we are here at revelation chapter 15 so what we're going to do is as i said this lesson is kind of a short lesson on today it's not going to be i don't think let me put the fix this microphone okay I don't think this lesson is going to be quite as long because it's really only eight verses. So I think this one's going to be kind of short. However, I do consider this to be the calm before the storm. What do I mean by that? I mean that, you know, right before there's a, a, a storm, you know, you always had saying that's the calm before the storm. It's, you know, it's like a sense of, of calmness before everything just happens. And I want to say chapter 15 will be the calm before the storm, because the true storm is chapter 16. Next week, when we see God's wrath literally poured out the seven bowls, we'll see that next week. But for this week, we're going to deal with <clears throat> what I call 
the calm before the storm. You know, everything, everything we've seen so far in Revelation has gotten crazy. We've seen the Antichrist is taken over. We've seen the mark of the beast being instituted. We know the rapture is already taking place. So the church is not there. We've seen the two witnesses get ki uh, be killed and taken up to heaven three days later. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So we've seen a lot of craziness that's going on. But here in chapter 15, it's not as crazy as it is, as, as it's been. To me, this is just my opinion. So that's why I keep calling it the calm before the storm. Okay. So let's let let's not waste any, any more time. Let's jump right on in. So we are at Revelation chapter 15, verse 1. Then I saw in heaven another significant event. Now remember. We've seen now before we go any further, we this is another significant event that John is seeing now in um, new. Now, that's new living translation. King James says another sign in heaven. And it was great and marvelous. Now we've seen this is a third great sign. I, I think this is the third one that we've seen. What's the first one? Well, the first one he saw, John saw in Revelation chapter 12, which was the sun cloth woman, which is we know is Israel. So that was the first great sign. And then what's the second great sign? Ironically enough, it's in Revelation chapter 12 as well. What was the great sign? The great red dragon. And we learned the great red dragon in Revelation chapter 12 is who? It is Satan. So we so those are the two great signs. And now John is saying he's seeing a third one. And this one, he said it's great and marvelous. OK, so let's see what he's saying. So let's see what he's uh, let's see what he's seeing. I'm sorry. Verse one, then I saw in heaven another significant event, and it was great and marvelous. What did he see? John says seven angels were holding the seven last plagues, which would bring God's wrath to completion. Now we see that John said there are seven angels here and they have the last plagues, which will seven angels have the last plagues. And he, and he says, which will bring God's wrath to completion. After these last plagues, God's wrath is finally is is completed. He has he has poured out all this punishment. After this, he's done. He's done punishing the earth. He's done. He's done. A after this, there's not there's nothing. Everything he has done, everything that he's wanted to do. OK, so let's go on. Verse two. Now it's going to get a little tricky. I saw before me what seemed to be like a crystal sea mixed with fire. And on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast and his statue and the number representing his name. They were all holding holding that. I'm sorry. They were all holding harps that God had given them. So that's verse two. Now I'm saying it's tricky because Let's look at it in the King James, because King James says it differently. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. Semicolon uh, colon is there. Excuse me. And and them that had gotten over the vic had gotten the victory over the beast and over the image and over his mark and over the number of his name. Stand, stand. On the sea of glass, having the harps of God. Now, 
let, let's look at let's let's really try to di uh, dive into this. John says he saw what looks like a sea of glass. It's not a sea of glass. He said it looks like a sea of glass mingled with fire. He said this one, this looks like a sea of glass mixed with fire. Now we know sea means a mass of humanity, as we as we're going to see in Revelation chapter 17. I believe it's verse 15. I believe it's verse 15, where John, where the angel tells John the waters around the uh the great harlot represent mass of people. Now, and he says mixed with fire. Fire has, you know, we know uh, when Moses went to the mountaintop in the Old Testament, that was a that was God's presence. He God showed revealed itself as fire. Now, so that's one way. That's one way what fire could represent could literally be God's presence, or fire has has also been a symbol of His judgment. Okay, now. Notice what John said. They this looks like a sea of glass mixed with fire, but he didn't call it. He said it looks like one, but it's not. But what does he say about it? He said these are the people that have gotten a victory over the beast, over the over his image, over the mark and over the number on of his name. So who are they? These would be tribulation saints, people who have died during the tribulation period. Notice what he said. They have victory over the beast. How did they get victory over the beast if the beast killed them? Because they have an eternal reward. Look at where they are. They are in heaven now. They have the victory because now they won't suffer the wrath of God, which is about to be poured out next, in next week's episode. So they have the victory over the beast in that. And they have victory over his image. Remember, what did the what did the angel say? Anybody who worshiped the beast, they worship his image and they took on the mark. What happened to them? He said there would be no salvation for them. So they not only won, they beat the beast. They didn't acknowledge him. They did not worship his image. They did not take on the mark. And they didn't have the number of his name. They didn't take on the mark and the number of his name. Because remember, we don't know what the mark represents. We know it represents 666, but we don't know what it means. And as I said, because the Antichrist identity is going to be kept secret until the abomination of desolation takes place, you will not know what the mark of the beast really means. You will never know what 666 really means until we find out who the Antichrist is. When we get his identity, then you will know what 666 really means. So no matter how many concoctions you come up with, you, you, you'll never know. You won't know. OK, so that's just to let people know people who think, oh, we're going to this is this is how we're going to come up with the identity of uh, what 666 really means. You're not going to know. OK, so these are the, the tribulation saints. Now, I said this was very tricky because look at what it says. Now, let me put a pin right. Let me put up. Let me put a pin right here for a minute. This is one of those examples of two things. One. Every translation is good. So you got some trans, all these different translations, they are fine. 
But there are times where you have to go back to the original King James. Why? Because sometimes other translations takes thing, takes things out of context and you have to look at it how it is written in the original King James. Here is a prime example of that. Why? Because in King James, it says they were standing on the sea of glass. But in the New Living Translation, it says the sea of glass mixed with fire. It says they were standing. These people were standing on it. But the King James said they weren't standing on that sea of glass mixed with fire. They are standing on the original sea of glass that we saw in Revelation chapter four, verse six. That's what they're standing on. OK, so this is one of those moments where it is important that you it's good to have those other trans those other translations. It's good to have them. But you have to go back to the original King James from time to time, because sometimes some of these other translations can take things out of context. I have a parallel Bible. So my Bible has the King James and the New Living Translation side by side. So when I'm reading it in the New Living Translation, I'm also looking at it in the King James to make sure they line up with one another. When they when they don't line up, when New Living doesn't line up, then I got to stick with King James because King James is the original. OK, so that's the first point. And now the second point. Remember how we talked about Revelation in uh, verse four, chapter four, verse six, the original sea of glass, how we we said that. It could very well be a mass of humanity because of what the angel said the waters represented in uh, chapter 17. We might have to revisit whether or not that really does mean it's about it's a sea of it's a bunch of people. Why do I say that? Because in verse two, the people, the tribulation saints, they're according to King James. It says they are standing on that sea of glass. So that means if they're standing on that sea of glass, then that is very, then there's a very possible mean. It is a, it's a very distinct possibility that that sea of glass that we saw in revelation chapter four, verse six is not a mass of people. It could very well be that it's not a mass of people as we originally thought this could be something else. Which leads me to say this, when it comes to revelation, when it comes to the Bible, we're not going to know exactly everything that's in revelation because John is looking at things in his time. So what he is describing is what is how he would describe it in his time. Now, if we saw it in our time, then we could describe it in our language and we could better understand some things like John is seeing for, for our generation, he couldn't understand it. Prime example. Let's just say, I'm just throwing out a hypothetical. Let's say John say he see a helicopter. How is this man going to be able to describe a machine with blades spinning and this machine can fly? How can he do that? He doesn't know what a machine is. So how can he describe it? So the way he would describe it would be so like we would look at it like, what is he saying? But then when we finally understand what it would be like, oh, he's trying to describe a helicopter. Oh, well, man, why you didn't just say that? Well, he can't say that because he don't know what a helicopter is. 
So what am I saying? I'm saying that the things that John is seeing, we might, we, we probably will never fully understand what he said, what he's seeing until we get up there in glory. Then we will see and we'll understand everything. So I'm saying that to say, this is one of those points in verse two. This is one of those things we just really don't know. We just have to speculate. We do know that these are talking about tribulation saints, but when he talks about that sea of glass, we really don't know what it is. It could be, a, you know, like we said, a mass of humanity, but now because of what the, what is John is describing, here in chapter two, that they're standing on that sea of glass. Now we have to assume that might not have been an original, uh, a group of people as we thought that it could have been. This might be something else. Just like the seven thunders. Remember when the seven thunders were about, John was about to write down what they said. And he got a voice, a voice from heaven tells him, don't write down what they said. So we don't know what they said. So that's another mystery in Revelation that we just will never know. So right now, here's another one that we just won't know. OK, so we're going to put a pin right. So we're going to assume this is my opinion. My opinion, I do believe that the people here that he's describing, it says on them, these people he's describing are some tribulation saints, people who went through the tribulation period and came out victorious even though on earth it didn't seem like they were victorious. But now that's a perfect description of what the Bible says. Don't store up your treasures on earth. Store your treasures in heaven where they won't be eaten away. I'm paraphrasing the scripture, okay? This is a perfect example of it. Why? Because now they receive, they're receiving their eternal reward in heaven, not on earth, in heaven, okay? So when it comes to that sea of glass, we really don't know what it represents. We, we just don't. And I have been researching for hours, hours after looking at it. And I can't find any. Everybody is making an assumption. So we really we just really don't know. All we know is John said it's a sea of glass in chapter four in Revelation chapter four. But here he said it looks like a sea of glass mixed with fire, but it's not a sea of glass mixed with fire. Why? Because they are standing on the original sea of glass in Revelation chapter four. OK. Now, let's look at verse three. Verse three says this, and they were and, and I'm sorry, let me finish it. And also notice what they have. They have they have harps. They have harps. Now, the New Living Translation says they have harps that God has given them. King James, however, just says having the harps of God. So we don't know if if uh, God gave them these, but they do. We I guess we know they do belong to God because it says harps of God. OK, so now let's look at what goes on in verse three. And they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God and the song of the lamb. They are sitting now. They got harps and they're singing two different songs. Now, what's the first song? Great and marvelous are your actions, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous, righteous deeds have been revealed. We see that. These these tribulation saints, they're singing a song. 
and we see the words to the song. And what is it? What is described? It's the song of Moses and the Moses and the song of the Lamb. Now, if you want to read that, the song of Moses is Exodus chapter 15, verse 1 through 18. It may not sound exactly like what's in Exodus, but that's where the song of Moses is. Okay. And that song talked about God delivered basically from what I understood it. It just talks about God delivering the children of Israel when they were um, through the whole Red Sea, uh, the Red Sea um, experience. That's what it's based on there. OK. And then the Song of the Lamb, it pretty much celebrates God's reign and victory over all the nations, because in the end, you do realize God is going to win. Right. I just want you to know that in case some people think that he's not going to win. Trust and believe we're fighting. a. Fi I told somebody said before, how are you going to lose in a fixed fight? We're fighting a fixed fight. God will ultimately have the victory. OK, now let's look at verse five. Then John says, I looked and saw that the temple in heaven, God's tabernacle was thrown wide open. Do we see that? He said the tabernacle. He said the tabernacle. Now, let here we go. Remember what I said about King James? Let's look at this in King James. And after that, I it were verse five in King James. And after that, I looked and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. Now, that sounds like a lot. That's a lot. The temple of the tabernacle of the testimony. Now, for, to break this down as to what this is, first of all, look, the temple is open. Remember how I said things that were built in the Old Testament is based on what already exists in heaven right now. The temple that the temples that have been built, the previous temples were based on temp on an example of the temple that's in heaven right now. OK, so the temple is open. And then I want you to look at something else. Let's look at Revelation chapter 11, verse 19. Remember, this is not the first time a temple has opened up. This is what it says in verse 19. Then in heaven, the temple of God was open and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. So if the temple is open, the tabernacle of the testimony, what's the tabernacle? The ark of the covenant is the, is the tabernacle. What's the testimony of the temple? I want you to look at Exodus. Go to Exodus chapter 25. This is all about the temple. I'm showing you what's, what's inside the temple. We know the temple's open. It says the Ark of the Covenant is open. So that's the tabernacle. Now, so if, if the temple's open, the Ark of the Covenant is open. Now, that that is uh, the tabernacle is the Ark of the Covenant. Now, what is the testimony that he's talking about? Exodus chapter 25, verse 16. This is New Living Translation. When the ark is finished, place inside it the stone tablets inscribed, <coughs> excuse me, with the terms of the covenant, which I give to you. That's New Living Translation. 
Now, if you if you read it again, this is where you got to go back to King James. If you read it in the King James, the scribes that he's talking about is not called stone tablets. Let me pull it up in King James on my laptop so you can see it. Because I want you to see what it really says. Now, let's read it again in King James. We said verse 16, right? And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. What's the testimony? Remember those stone tablets that we just read? They said put inside the ark of the covenant. What are the stone tablets he's talking about? He's talking about the Ten Commandments. Those commandments that Moses got from God when he went to the mountaintop. That's what he's talking about. That's what's inside the Ark of the Covenant, which is inside the temple. And now we're here in Revelation chapter 15, verse five. The temple is open again. The Ark of the Covenant is open. And inside the Ark is what? Those stone tablets, the testimony, the Ten Commandments. Now, let's look at verse six. The seven angels, remember those seven angels? That we saw in verse one, who were holding the bowls of the seven plagues came from the temple, clothed in spotless white linen with gold belts across their chest. Now, that should seem familiar to you. Why? Because remember in earlier in Revelation, let me see which one was it. If we go to Revelation chapter one. Verse 13, and I did not pull it up. So I tell you what, I'm going to pull up my Bible real quick because it's faster. Revelation chapter one, verse 13. Let me pull it up real quick so we can see it. Okay, this is when G, this is when John, remember verse one in chapter one, John sees Jesus, right? When he sees Jesus, let's describe what he has on. He said, and standing we're reading in verse 13, Revelation chapter one. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was the son of man. He was wearing a long robe with what? A gold sash across his chest. The same gold sash that these angels are wearing right now. Jesus had one on in Revelation chapter one. Meaning what? This is priesthood. Remember, Jesus is also our high priest. Remember how we we talked about earlier the way Jesus was dressed when John saw him. He was dressed like a high priest because Jesus is our high priest. He's the go between between. He's the go between. He's the middleman between God and us. He's in the middle. So he's he's our high priest. That's why the Bible says we don't have a high priest who hasn't been touched with our infirmities. That's why the Bible says that, because Jesus has been touched with our infirmities. He is our high priest. So Jesus was dressed as a high priest when we saw him in Revelation chapter one. These angels are dressed like high priests. That's why they have that gold sash across their chest. OK, but I want to show you in scripture what where it came from now. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse seven. And one of the four living beings. Remember those four living beings we saw earlier? They're back again. One of the four living beings handed each of the seven angels a gold bowl filled with a terrible wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Those those four. One of them gives each of the angels with the plagues. Bowls filled with God's wrath. 
So basically, what we're going to see next week is the plagues that the angels have combined with God's wrath is going to make for an interesting, uh, interesting experience for those people who are still on earth at that time. Okay, now let's let's get to the here we go. We're at the last verse, verse eight. The temple was filled with smoke from God's glory and power. Look what it says. No one could enter the temple until the seven angels have completed pouring out the seven plagues. After the angels received those seven plagues, after the angels received those bowls filled with God's wrath. Now what happens? The temple is filled with smoke and nobody can enter until those angels pour out those plagues. Until the bowls, until those angels have accomplished what they've done, nobody can go into the temple. Why is that important? Because remember, going into the temple was a way of people still being in the Old Testament. That's how they were able to go in and ask for forgiveness. So with the temple being in heaven, when you set, when you had, remember, we talked about the mercy seat a few weeks ago and how. In the old days, they would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat as a way of forgiveness of their sins. So when you look at it in heaven, what's the blood that's on the mercy seat up there in heaven? It's the blood of Christ, right? So we always had God to forgive and we could forgive. Now, nobody can go into that temple in heaven. So nobody could make a reprieve or a reproach. No one could go in and just ask God to have mercy on us. No one could do anything about that now. You can't go into the temple. Nobody in heaven can go in now until the angels have finished their job, which is pouring out God's wrath. So that means time is up. As long as remember, we've seen when the temple was first open, you still had a chance to be saved. You still had a chance to be you still had time. You know, that's why the Bible says God doesn't want to, God doesn't, God desires that everybody be saved, but he said he will judge. People had time to still repent. He was still asking people, repent, repent, come to me, repent. But now here, and we've just seen with the smoke filling into the temple, nobody can go into the temple now until the angels have done what they were supposed to do. You know what that means? Time's up. There was a scene in Independence Day, uh, the original Independence Day, when Jeff Goldblum, when he was getting on the airplane, he was the one who discovered a signal that the aliens were using. And the signal turned out to be like a countdown clock. So when he got on the plane and looked, that signal got to zero. That clock got to zero. You know what he said? He rose up and looked at the screen and he was like, oh, time's up. That's what's happening right here. When that smoke fills the temple, time's up. That's it. God's done. Now, uh, remember those ain't those souls that were under the altar saying, when are you going to avenge us? When are you going to avenge us? We've seen little glimpses of it, but it's not like the revenge that they are wanting. Now, you are about to see God in action. I tell people all the time, if you want to know how brutal God can really be, you read how he did in the Old Testament. God did not play. I'm giving you an example. 
All these old, some of these kids that we have today, that's very disrespectful. You know what God said back in the day? If they were disrespectful, stone them. But y'all want to put y'all, see, that's why y'all can't handle how God really is. Y'all better be glad. That's why it's nothing but the blood that saves us. Because if we didn't have the blood that covered us, if Jesus had not done what he did on Calvary, ooh, boy, God ain't no joke. If you want to know how God really is, you go back and read, you go back and read that Old Testament to see how God don't play. And now we're going to see now playtime's over. God's done. He said, I've given space. I've given enough space to repent. Ain't no more repenting now. It's all over. Now I'm going to let you have it. Now I'm going to shut. Now I'm going to take revenge on you, the Antichrist. I'm going to take revenge on everything that you've done everything that's why i call chapter 15 the calm before the storm because now next week god is going to literally pour out his wrath on the earth and we're going to see all everything that we've seen before that god has done pales in comparison to what he's going to do now it's going to be a sight it's going to be a sight but that's it for uh, chapter 15. I tell you, this is going to be a short one today. It's going to be a short one. It's only eight, eight verses, but really want to um, really want to go in depth with it. OK, so that's it for chapter 15. But before we go, as I always say, we want to do this. We want to offer Christ to you. This is why do not wait till tomorrow to repent and ask the Lord to forgive you. Do don't put off tomorrow what ain't promised because tomorrow's not promised. Do it today. Ask the Lord to come into your heart. Ask him to be Lord of your life. Don't And don't feel like I want to wait till I get better. Man, let me tell you, man, you ain't going to never be better. You ain't going to never be better. The only way you're better is when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then you're better. He said, I don't care about how you are. I don't care about your past. I don't care about any of those things. Come to me. Come to me and let me teach you my ways. And I'll make you fishers of men. So don't don't let Pete, don't let the enemy try to bring up your past or try to say, oh, he wouldn't use you, man, please. If he if he'll use a donkey to speak a word, he'll use you too. God is looking for worthy for vessels in this time, in this hour that we're in, because people don't understand that he is coming and he is coming sooner than what people believe. So and he's looking for people who want to go out and speak, who want to be his vessel, who want to do his work, who want to spread the gospel. That's what he's looking for in this hour. And if you're one of those people who you want to get out there, and you do for the kingdom. Jesus, Jesus will not stop you. He'll say go because he's that's what he's looking for. But you got to make sure that you have been anointed to go. Make sure he's with you when you go. Make sure the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you when you go. So when you teach and preach and begin to set people free, when you begin to deliver people, when you begin to speak words to people, when you begin to do those things, God is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. Jesus is with you. So he'll, you will never go off by yourself. He'll always be with you. But make sure that your relationship with him is a one first, as we say, make sure your relationship with him is a one before you do anything. OK, so do him a favor, bow your head, close your eyes. And we're just going to pray this simple prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. 
I ask you, Lord, come into my heart, make me, shape me, and mold me into the person who you call me to be. I lay my life down for you. My life is now in your hands. In the mighty name of Lord Jesus, I pray and I thank you, Father. Amen. We're going to believe that if you pray that simple prayer, you have now transferred over from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. And you are now one of the ones that when Jesus comes for his church, you're going to go with him as well. Now, we'll say this. Now that you have come home to the kingdom, pray and ask God to send you to a good Bible-based church because everything that says church in this day and age is not church. Amen. Amen. Welcome home, my brother. Welcome home, my sister. It is indeed. I'm so glad to have you home. And, and because you have come home, there is a party in heaven because you have come home. Amen. Guys, that is it for this week. I told you it was going to be a short one this week. Next week, we're going to cover Revelation chapter 16, where now time is up and now God is about to pour out, literally pour out his wrath on the people of the world. And uh, and we're going to and I've also been talking about the Euphrates River. And remember how I said we were going to come back to it at some point? We're coming back to it next week. And I'm going to give you the other part of the prophecy about the Euphrates River and how it's slowly coming to pass right now. You can see what a book that was written thousands of years ago is talking about an event that's slowly taking place right now. But we're going to see that next week. We're going to see God pour out his wrath all over, all over on those people. It's going to be, whew, man, it's going to be brutal next week. But guys, I want to tell you again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you're listening by way of um, Apple or Anchor, Google or Spotify, you can't tell until you come to YouTube. If you're on YouTube, you probably, you can probably tell there's something different. We finally upgraded and got ourselves a brand new 4K webcam. So now the video is going to come out a whole lot clearer. Now we're still making progress, man. We we're coming up on our 50th episode in a few weeks, man. I give God all the praise and glory and honor for doing it. I never thought that we would be doing 50 episodes. Never thought that. So I'm just letting, we're just slowly increasing, man. We just want to get the word out. We just want to spread the good news of the kingdom because that's what we're supposed to do is teach the kingdom. And what we want to do is teach that the teach the kingdom and that the kingdom is coming back sooner than what people believe. Amen. Amen. Guys, I love you again. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. I love you guys. You guys have a blessed week. Remember, Pray the Lord's Prayer and what? Pray the armor of God prayer before you and your children walk out of the door in the mornings. Make sure you pray that prayer to be on guard for the enemy. Amen. I love you guys. You guys have a blessed week. Please be safe out there this week. And I'll see you back here next week with another episode of the Last Things Podcast where we are on a journey to truth. I love you guys. Be blessed. <laughs>